All right. Welcome to what is the first of, hopefully, many shows. I'm Michael Whalen. With me is my glorious co-host, Adam Hester. Hello. And today we are going to be discussing Stranger Things. Indeed. So, uh, where would you say is a good starting point, Adam? Well, I, uh, I would say, first, everything, uh, every every thing that we talk about, everything that we enjoy, has to have a beginning of some kind. So, what got you into the show? I think the thing that mainly got me into it, and this was probably in a matter of days after it had premiered, mm-hmm. but several people whose opinions I value just kind of jumped at me, like, are you watching Stranger Things? No, not obviously right that yeah okay you need to watch stranger things like and that was like the concert you know it was like drop everything you're doing and now go watch stranger things so i think i burned through it probably in maybe about a weekend probably two two and a half episodes at a time and then you know got through it so over the course of maybe three four days i had no uh, I didn't know what it was. I had no idea what it was. Yeah. I, I didn't see a trailer. I didn't know anything about it. No, didn't uh, get any of the the buzz ahead of time that I guess some people got. Um, I would say that I probably didn't watch an episode actually until because that the first season was a July premiere. Yes, and I don't think I actually watched the first episode till closer to Halloween time. That probably a great time for it. Yeah, hindsight, it works. Uh, but it didn't take long. That was an eight-episode ep- eight season. Um, I'm going to say that it took us – I think we intended on three days, and I think we couldn't stand it and, and made it in two. I think we did four and four. Nice. So definitely baited the hook for both of sure. us, I think it's safe to say. If I recall, the original plan for the show, and I think we've discussed uh, – off mic, obviously, yeah. but we've discussed this at times – was to be more anthological. It was, and yeah. That was the original yeah. idea. Apparently it caught fire, and here we are. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to follow the John Carpenter route of Halloween uh, and, and be that, – that's why – because the title of the show, when you think about it, doesn't – doesn't mean, it really does specify. Make, yeah, to, it makes yeah. sense, but it doesn't necessarily describe what we're seeing. I mean, it, it does, but you know what I mean. Any number of possible things can yes. be called stranger things that fall in this general category that don't necessarily involve right. all these characters in this specific story, yes. As soon as I saw the name of, of the show, after I watched the first season, I should say, I was like, I wonder. I just wonder if this was supposed to be something different. And then, sure enough, you, you get online and you find that it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Myers was too popular for the movie studios to drop him from Halloween 2. Right. Uh, Carpenter got his wish for three. We saw what happened there. Uh, even though I love three with all of my heart and soul. Uh, I'm quite a big fan of three, yeah. too, so I'm glad to hear you say that because I think a lot of people have a tendency to discount it and, you know, eh, it needed more Michael Myers. And it's like, yeah. uh, considering we ultimately ended up where we are now, where they basically said, you know what, forget even part two. <laughs> right. Yeah. Did we? But they handled it in such a way. Sure. So. But they, way, they, but yeah, they were on to something with the popularity of this thing, the merchandising, uh, the buzz, social media, you know, uh, and, and what yes. happened. I don't know that they could have foreseen what it was going to turn into. Well, and I mean, it's not like it's the character, you know, it's not the fault of the character or the creator that things went south. It's mm-hmm. all those who took over with it afterwards and, right. you know, it just kind of tailspinned. Sure. But, oh, well, anyway, but uh, returning uh, to our, sorry for the tangent there, returning to our yeah. main topic, though. Yeah, it was originally, I guess, as we were saying, supposed to be anthological, and then, you know, this caught fire, and here yeah. we are. So. And, and it, it worked 
on every the season one I know is my favorite of the three. I think I've heard you mention that it that it's yours as well. Are Absolutely. You, uh, and I think that that first season hit every note that we wanted it to hit, especially from a nostalgic point of view. Yes. Uh, the the music, the the references, the things they paid homage to, uh, even down to the actors they used. You know, uh, Matthew Modine and uh, and Winona Ryder being in there. Yes. Uh, for season one, so. I think for a guy like you and a guy like me and a lot of people our age who now have disposable income, oddly enough, um, it, they hit on every every note that, that they were trying. And it's something they probably weren't even trying to do. And then they had a runaway success on their hands. And therefore, it, well, it was going to be an anthology. Now it's going to be about these same exact people. Right. And I think I've said before, but yeah, to me, the first season strikes that perfect balance of basically Stephen King meets Steven Spielberg and that's a that's a great way to say it yeah yeah um later seasons not quite so much they go away from that yeah the first one definitely like that's exactly if that's what you're going for Mm -hmm. congratulations you hit a home run so uh the Goonies obviously uh that that is that is where you have to start it is it not I mean that of course that was not a Spielberg directed but it was a Spielberg Involved Spielberg influenced, yeah. Situation. Oh, he had a lot to do with the story, and, right? And of course, you know, it, it, the the uh, the kids, you know, a big group of kids on a mission, on a on a journey, you know, uh, trying to solve a mystery. Uh, it it kind of writes itself, and then you could throw Stand by Me in there if you want to go with the other Stephen. Kind of the yeah. same vibe. And right? Of course, the irony is the two things that probably speak the most to us in that regard are the ones where Steven Spielberg didn't direct but did produce and the one where Stephen King didn't write it under his own name. Right. So it's a nice little strange parallel there. But yeah, but I think in the case in, in the case of like Stand By Me, you know, which I I don't think I would get much pushback from this. Definitely the movie um more culturally relevant than is the book that it was based right. on. Right. I don't know off the top of my head of anyone who has read the book and many, many, many people obviously have seen Stand By Me. Right. So uh, so that yeah. makes sense. Uh, of course, there are a couple of other, you know. Oh, the I mean, uh, Firestarter? Yeah. Uh, that's 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 an easy one, too, with Eleven being uh, the, uh, the Drew Barrymore. Mm-hmm. What was, I, don't, I don't The name escapes me. But Drew Barrymore's character in Firestarter, and eleven, a lot of similarities there. Yeah. I think the last time I saw Firestarter was the first time I saw Firestarter, which was probably <laughs> when I was about four. So, I remember the basic overall plot, but not a lot beyond that. Sure. But uh, it's definitely, definitely on that list. Of course, I would say if I had to pick one, I would say it's probably like the vanguard of like influences. It would probably be Stephen King's It. Oh yeah, to right. the point that I, you know, once had a conversation with an ex around the time that the, I guess the first or part one of the theatrical version of it so mm-hmm. you know, two three years ago dropped where she had described it i believe her exact words were that it was like stranger things but with more swearing and i said okay to clarify <clears throat> it is not like stranger things stranger things is like it yeah oh sure like, yeah this has a far you know like if there were no it there would probably be no stranger was things. she not aware of the first miniseries the the tim curry I'm unclear. Uh, I'm thinking she was. She was a bit younger than uh, us, so, so she definitely wasn't. 
there's a decent possibility yeah. that she missed it and also grew up in at least a somewhat sheltered household right. where maybe probably there weren't a bunch of Stephen King adap- or adaptations adaptations books or otherwise sitting up on the shelf so there's a chance she just completely you know glossed over mm-hmm. that in childhood but couldn't say for sure so it, yeah it is an is a 87 88 i think is when she was born gotcha. so it gives you any idea anyway sorry god it is a, is yeah there's an obvious nod to that uh just the title itself the red letters with the the stranger being a little longer than things how it's kind of centered that way yeah that's how every stephen king book that's how his name appears on every one of them. which i have to say is something that it's like instinctively i knew that but mm-hmm. i never really stopped and thought about that right. when you pointed that out i was like okay yeah that's that's that almost hits you in the face right it's not something yeah immediately yeah. you might not have <laughs> thought about it but like, oh wait yeah that's true uh Back to Spielberg, E.T. Obviously, uh, with the right. the way the van got lifted up when they're on their bikes, and, mm-hmm. you know, there's season one. So that one makes a whole lot of sense. Close and Encounters, just, and just a bunch of kids finding a yeah. Uh, know, a, a, again, with the kind of the kid theme, a sort of supernatural being, shall we say? Spielberg had kids in his movies a lot of the time uh, mm-hmm. because he was telling the story of how his when his parents split up. He he, he talked about that in a documentary I watched. So Close Encounters. E.T. Uh, there was a third movie as well uh, that he kind of was foreshad not foreshadowing, but uh, he was kind of uh, spotlighting what happened in his house when his parents split up. Right. Um, so that's an obvious one too with Winona Ryder and the relationship she has with her husband yes. in the show. Um, Circling back to what you're saying, what was the one that we were talking or that you'd mentioned right after E.T.? Sorry. Um. What did I say after E.T.? Um. Mm, it wasn't this one, but Altered States just popped in my head huh. when she's in the deprivation tank. I think it was a Spielberg movie. It's just it's not coming to my mind either. Uh, oh. I hate when this happens. But as you get older, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I'm sure it'll pop up in my head here uh, before too long. Fair but enough, but to what you're saying about Altered States. Altered States is, is a pretty obvious one um, because the deprivation tank uh, – plays such a huge role in um in the first season she doesn't need it going uh, you know after that she's kind of become a little bit more powerful i guess right uh but maybe a little too powerful after a point but sure and uh but there's that uh, there's that obvious nod to that um i think oh you know what it was close encounters yes so close encounters uh and poltergeist i think you have to throw both of those in there uh which spielberg had you know obviously a lot to do with both of those um the uh, the Christmas lights in the house, um, uh, the the kind of random you know blinking going off, the messages being sent that way, right? Uh, a definite nod to that, I would think. Yeah, um, trying to think, there were some other examples that had popped into my mind. Anyway, uh, continue if anything else jumps. Out. I want to say you said video drone, perhaps. Oh sure, uh, the Cronenberg. The uh, there's there's a couple of Cronenberg movies. Um, Videodrome, uh, you know, w- with James Woods, where he is, something is reaching through the television. Uh, I, I'm tr- my memory's fuzzy on what it was, but it, it almost looked exactly like the Demigorgon kind of kind of breached the wall and the right. form you could you could see through the wall. Yeah, um, there's definite Cronenberg stuff in here because um, scanners, scanners, also another, yeah, for sure, like almost 
a little too on the nose when you actually think about it because basically the powers demonstrated in the movie scanners are mm-hmm. effectively the well among the powers that L has I guess you could say yeah it was not and, and of course you know obviously we've talked about things that aren't Spielberg and Stephen King at this point you know we're kind of you know Cronenberg uh, David Lynch because I think there's some definite Twin Peaks niche about <laughs> about that first season yeah um, I would also and if you want to just go with like some kind of overall eerie feelings yeah and whatnot. Um, how about, and I don't know that we've ever had this discussion because we've talked about this off, off air, the nod to they live, the, the fight between Steve and Jonathan and kind of the back alley, you know, uh, fighting over Nancy, you know, it's kind of built up to the, that's, and I think they, I even read somewhere where they mentioned it was the nod to the Keith David, Roddy Piper brawl. Nice. Uh, obviously, not the same length of time <laughs> that they, yeah. they live, but it was kind of. Basically, these guys would be great friends of ours if we knew them, the Duffers. Yeah, um, most likely. Th- it's obvious that they grew up watching the same things that we watched. You know. Yeah, I believe they were, if I recall, twins and born in 1984. Yeah, they're 84ish, so, I believe. Yeah, yeah, so right around that. Although to a degree, it's also. I don't know. I would say from that time period probably gives you kind of enough of a memory of the 80s, but sure. not quite. You still weren't just quite in it. I mean, you were in it, but you know what I mean. Just like, oh, not, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and all I ever wanted to do when I got older, when the in, end of the 90s, was go back and learn more about what I was too young to know about in the 80s. That that went on for years. I had music, movies, pop culture, uh, even political stuff. Like, that's all I wanted to read about when I got older middle school high school age you know in the 90s and, and the early 2000s um i wanted to know more about the 80s all the time yeah because particularly when you grow up it almost or in it it's sort of no matter what the time period it's still probably going to seem a little bit more idyllic to you maybe right. than perhaps it actually was and i think they do a fair job of kind of working elements of that into the show whether it's just you know i mean one key example kind of like you were talking about like with divorce and whatnot, you mm-hmm. know, in the eighties, it was still a little bit more of a faux pas perhaps than it is now. Oh, sure. And yeah. you had the character, mm-hmm. the whole family of Winona Ryder and her kids kind of being treated as that sort of, I mean, granted there's a little bit of a, like a wrong side of the tracks type of vibe, but also they're being, it seems like that factors into like why they're being treated the way they are. And you know, that that's one thing that was, definitely the case in the 80s because i do i mean i just even i remember growing up you know like it wasn't just the case where like every other kid came from like broken home it yeah, was it, it, yeah. you didn't it, and you didn't you didn't really talk about it yeah yeah but it was like just one of the, i remember you just kind of the muted they're divorced yeah yeah, yeah, yeah you know yeah. or like whatever and yeah right <laughs> just whereas like by the time you know the 90s around it's like oh no it's out there in the open it's like right. eight out of ten sure. you know but anyway sorry no uh the aliens, yeah, alien aliens. I was about both. to jump to that one actually. Yeah. Um, both I mean, in the overall look of the monster and just yeah. kind of the pacing and a lot of like scenes that you see here and there. Yeah, yeah a face huggerish vibe to the uh, you know, and uh, it goes then it goes to the body snatchers kind of thing where they obviously put something into Will. He becomes a host uh, for the uh, the you know the demigorgon. Or, or whatever, because uh, at the time we don't know what it is. I guess the perhaps the demi dogs, but yeah. Also, just the link for the mind flare to make its way into the world once mm-hmm. you get to season 
too and whatnot. And I, <clears throat> like I said, Phil, this is probably something we might have discussed at some point. But um, one of the things I always liked about that first season was that just this kind of a little bit of a tangent, but regardless, uh, the ending of the first season, you had the sort of kind of the perfect horror ending mm-hmm. in that it wasn't like everything seems pretty happy. Everything seems back to normal. And then there's that scene of him coughing up a little yes. bit of God knows what. We and it gave you kind of that perfect horror ending where right. it's not exactly open-ended. Could there be, you know, at that point, uh, you know, we don't even necessarily know it's going to be a season two or how season two is going to go, mm-hmm. but kind of a, could it be open-ended? Yes. So there's room for a sequel, but also just kind of the way a horror movie is supposed to generally like if done well leaves you anyway which is with just even if everything's wrapped up nicely there's always that one little unsettling bit you know think oh, nightmare on elm street yeah. think uh oh, every, friday I mean, the 13th yeah. i mean yeah all that stuff yeah uh, all countless stuff. examples uh the shining you know right. uh, which i i don't know if i'd say that one was a very idealistic ending or but or or yeah or idyllic ending rather but at the same time but like I said, just always leaves you kind of with that little, even if it's a quote-unquote happy ending or, you know, hey, they made it, it, there's always still that little, just that little bit of unease, you know, if it's done right. Oh, sure. And that, yeah. that you know, we're letting you know that we we may bring this thing back and we're, you're not out of the woods yet and your favorite characters, uh, what's going to happen? Of course, they kind of did it really two ways because you get, you get to that last episode and you're like, well, Eleven's... Eleven can't be dead. Like, so, you know, and then you get the, the egos getting left into the, the little hatch, whatever that thing was. Right. And so they kind of, they came at you twice. You're like, oh, okay. Well, now I'm, now I'm in. Now I, I'm, I'm in for the, for the next part of this. Um, but, oh, yeah, the, the tried and true method of, of, is it over? Are we out of the woods yet? Always works when done properly. Yeah. And they, I, this, the second and third season almost suffer a bit from how perfect they really did wrap everything up except for those one those, those couple little questions in the back of your mind i mean i guess in but two you do have the indication that the mind flare is still out there but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know but it's still not quite and i mean this is something that kind of bothered me as the seasons went along it it's the uh, the lack of subtlety i suppose you could say okay. whereas like with the first one <clears throat> and uh, we can open this can of worms a little bit further down the line here. Right. But the first one, you know, music that you wouldn't obviously pick necessarily. You know, yeah. good about the mood. You know it's in the 80s, but it's not. doesn't feel like it's just beating you over the head with it necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, then even to, like I said, that final little bit. It's there, right. but it's subtle. Right. Yeah, it could have been the end of the show, and that would have been a fitting end if that had just been the end of, like, this particular oh, story yeah. arc. I think so too. And then you know, with the others, it, like you, it gets less subtle. They start laying it on more thick, mm-hmm. and you know, be that how they did it at the end of season two, with the big dance, and then the tease of it, or sure. how they did it in season three, where I, supposedly the mind flare is defeated. By the way, the Russians are still up to something. Yeah, you know, still yeah. very sure. yeah. Um, one of the influences that I want to kick out, and I'm not sure how huge of an influence it is, maybe from the overall aesthetic, but I think as far as score goes, like even the score, 
Yeah, we had mentioned earlier with John Carpenter, and it's like, let alone John Carpenter's movies, you know, or like The Thing or whatnot, but John Carpenter's music, you know, he does yes. a score for all his movies, and yes. it's like, it's very influenced by that. I also think it's possibly influenced by the band Goblin, which I don't know if you know them or not. Uh, they did a lot of Dario Argento movies. Him I know. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, Suspiria being, there were a couple notes in the, or there was a sequence, I think, during the first season that kind of popped in my head, and I was like, that sounds a little bit like something out of mm-hmm. Suspiria or any given, you know, most Dario Argento movies, they or at least one of them had something, or one of the members of the band had something to do with. And I remember there being a couple of moments where I was like, huh, which actually it just popped into my mind. There actually is a more on-the-nose, possibly Dario Argento influence now, Movie's not quite exactly the same, like beat for beat, but just, okay. Uh, there was a film internationally known as Phenomena. Uh, it was released here as Creepers, starring a young Jennifer Connelly. Mm-hmm. And basically, as per many an Argento film, a younger girl gets sent off to a boarding school, and then, you know, things go awry. Right. But uh, she had, like, some sort of a psychic link with insects, and it's sort of like this big murder mystery based around, you know, this girl with this special power, you know, using Mm -hmm. it to, like, get to the bottom of just what in the world is going on here. And that's actually, there's probably a lot of people either, I don't know if people remember Creepers in general. I know, obviously, like, devout horror fans do Mm -hmm. because it's an Argento movie, and, you know, Oh, it's not Creepers, it's Phenomena. But yeah, I don't know if you ever saw that one. I remember I the poster leaving a big impression on me growing up because it just it's like Jennifer Connelly and then covered in bugs and yeah. Anyway, sure. sorry. No, you're good. Um, yeah. yeah, no, you can tell it's not just the more popular um, horror sci-fi movies. You could tell that their their knowledge and their um, interest and the things that they watched growing up were some of the more what you you know cult films you know the the ones that aren't as maybe well known yeah or in some cases the films that you might have walked by at your local blockbuster or whatnot oh, and yeah. seen them on the shelf for years and years and years but never bothered around to get around to actually oh, renting like, them right the ones you were you were just maybe a little too young yeah. to ask if we could rent this and then maybe years later it was on in the middle of the night you know, like nine seven six evil. Yeah. Uh, house. Um, uh, house is one I actually saw like almost yeah. immediately because I think it was PG or PG thirteen. So it was okay. like, oh, you'll be f- or, or. Is there a sequel to that also? Uh, yes, house the yeah. the second yeah. story. Ah, that's right. Nice that's pun right. there. Yeah. There's actually technically three sequels to that one, but one of them was rebranded as something else, and then there was just a random House Four. <laughs> Anyway, you're probably best stopping with House oh, One, but sure. that's creep show. A little, uh, there, there's, there's a, uh, that you get that same kind of feel. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, which they're bringing back, I think, in some fashion here pretty soon. Yeah, um, TV and as a TV series, an yeah. anthological TV series, I believe. Now, when I say that, I believe that's by episode, not mm-hmm. by season, but still, um, it's not just the obvious horror. Movies though, too. There's, you got to talk about some of these sci-fi nods. Uh, the Demi Dogs attacking the um, the lab, I guess it was in season two, mm-hmm. straight out of Jurassic Park. So you go back to Spielberg. Yeah, 
And um, you can actually go to James Cameron, too, if you look sure. at the... I'll just call him Captain Russia, but basically he's in almost every way, shape, or form oh, it's the Terminator. Three, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I would say the Terminator, at least the first one, does actually somewhat fall under the horror category. Like mm-hmm. it's you know sci-fi, horror, slash action, slash romance. Sure. Weird combo, but trust me. Yeah. Um, and you can even... Uh, if you have other sci-fi examples that come to mind, by all means, uh, the thing I would say is kind of fifty-fifty on sci-fi horror. You could throw that yeah. in there. Oh yeah, kind of mentioned, but yeah. Um, you have more Stand by Me stuff in season two. You've got more It in season two because they're in the the underground. Um, what's become the upside down when they, just by you know finding their way down into that kind of layer underneath the the city of Hawkins. Uh, right. That was, you know, the it was how they had to kind of do that to find Pennywise, and mm-hmm. and and so that is definitely there. There's more Poltergeist because she's she's changing the the TV just with her mind. She's stuck in the cabin, you know, not with nothing to yeah. do. Which is another one of those. Spielberg has his handprints all over it, mm-hmm. even if he's not officially the director. And there's actually some argument out there that he pretty much ghost directed that movie. Um, I won't get into that right now, but. Yep. Google is your friend. Um, There's other movies that fall out of those sci-fi horror, you know, that spectrum. Yeah, movies Uh, that don't have, yeah, that are just, like, just movies from the 80s, beloved 80s films, anyway. Or, uh, in this case, The Warriors. When she finds eight, she finds her sister. Uh, The band of kind of outcast misfit. Yeah. I got a very Warriors-like vibe from them. Yes. uh, In in their kind of appearance. Uh, Obviously, you know, they've got, well, at least eight has you know some sort of mm-hmm. uh, ability, and that's I know that's seventy nine. That's cheating, but um, not necessarily. But or well, I, I I mean hell, I brought up Suspiria. That's seventy seven. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So but. that's uh, eight's got that. You know, uh, she's the leader. She's going to bring out and hone the skills of eleven, her sister. You know, in the in this whole deal. Right. Uh, but the gang itself was very warriors, like I thought. Yeah, and there were. Yeah. On that note, also Lost Boys. Yep. Vampire okay. film, but still, yep. you know, if you oh, were to yeah, judge yeah, it yeah. by movies in between, say, The Warriors and Lost Boys, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, no, every kid dressed just like this in the 80s. Any kid who was just a little <laughs> bit off the beaten who path, was, and it's right. like, meanwhile, I, I'll show you, Dad. Yeah, I yeah. think I saw three or four my oh, whole yeah. life total, but dad, the, we didn't exactly live in, you know, the most cosmopolitan of areas growing up, so there we are. Anyway. Now, we can't we can't also neglect the impact of John Hughes. Definitely. The snowball uh, at the end of season two, that felt straight out of a Hughes movie. Um, the kind of role reversal that happens with the, with the, uh, the love triangle. Yes. Uh, now I know, it, you know it's the end of season. Well, no, it, it happens in season two when they kind of finally sort everything out and Nancy throws her, you know, her true feelings out there. Right. You know, but of course the foundation for that is laid in season one. It is. When you have, you know, the kind of, Again, as we were talking, you, I think at one point, had described Steve. Um, He's as, James Spader. Yeah, from Pretty in Pink. Yeah. and, and uh, Almost to a T. And even though, you know, so it's kind of the reversal of, you've got Jonathan, who is obviously um, Molly Ringwald in this scenario, mm-hmm. because Nancy is Andrew McCarthy in this scenario, Yeah, when you kind of move everything around. But hey, man, what are you, it's the wrong side of the tracks. You can't be with that person. You know, what are you thinking? I will say, though, um, to its credit, 
that is the kind of thing that in actual real life, mm-hmm. the guy sort of, or the girl sort of being, I guess, for lack of a better term, you know, kind of turned away from a guy because of like his social status or his social upbringing or whatnot, particularly in the 80s. I think it was a lot more commonplace mm-hmm. and you see a fair amount of stories that are actually, you know, kind of more along that line from that time period. Uh, and I, basically every single Bruce Springsteen song ever <laughs> written kind <laughs> right. of falls in that category. I don't know why I'm saying the eighties. Now I'm thinking about it. That, that goes back to probably James Dean or even yeah, further. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, Romeo I, and Juliet. Uh, I, okay. I'm not sure. going to chase this bunny rabbit any further. Just, right, right, just right, the right. 400 or so years. But uh, in any case, I uh, would be remiss if I didn't bring up, you know, Adam Carolla's take on Pretty in Pink, which always kind of struck a chord with me, which is when it came to the guy side of this, it's like there were very few guys who ever, you know, saw a girl in high school and took a step back and said, hmm, she's quite attractive. I wonder what her father's 401k looks like. (laughs) I wonder what street they live on. Is it a cul-de-sac? Maybe more of a dead end. Hmm. It's like, no, we were pretty much just more like, is she cute? Yeah. All right. I'm in. Yeah, that was kind of the, you know, you didn't need all the rest of it. Yeah. You weren't trying to get married. Yeah. Yeah, it's high school. Well, some of us weren't. Yeah, well, right. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Right. Um, Gremlins, also. Uh, the feeding of, of the, the Demi Dog, the feeding of Dart, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Don't feed 11 after midnight. Wait, right. no. Um, <laughs> there, there's a definite, uh, to me, kind of feel for that you know keeping the animal the animal turns into yeah you know, which actually that if you want to go one better if you go back to like the original intended script mm-hmm. for the movie gremlins gizmo was not supposed to be you know a cute cuddly little merchandise Mogwai. machine the entire yeah, yeah the entire uh, i like the way you said it better but yeah <laughs> mogwai as opposed to merchandise machine but um <laughs> Like, he was originally supposed to turn into a gremlin right mm-hmm. along with them. And if I recall, that was, you want to talk Spielberg, Spielberg called an audible and basically was like, this thing's too cute not to make it, right? Or to give it basically a bittersweet or, you know, more along the lines of happy mm-hmm. ending. So let's maybe turn all the rest of them into gremlins, but not this one here. Yeah. And we've got a Gremlins 3 coming up, apparently. So Merchandising. Yeah. What did Mel Brooks say in Spaceballs? <laughs> Which, ironically, if you actually uh, if you think back to Gremlins too, uh, that was almost entirely a movie about merchandise. That oh, was, uh, almost yeah. just like a giant middle finger to the fact they had to make yeah. a sequel. Oh, it was not good. Hulk Hogan's in it though. Yeah. So there's that. But I mean, if I recall, like that was the director's intent was like he didn't want to make one. They made him make one. It's like, yeah. all right, fine, I'll make I one. Got you. I want creative control. Enjoy. You're gonna, you're gonna hate this. Yeah. And, uh, and we most, did. Of, most of the country did. So yeah. Uh, the other kind of feeding the animals, uh, mm-hmm. Dustin uses the nougat to entice uh, Dart. Kind of reminds you of the Reese's Pieces in E.T. Mm-hmm. a little bit. So there's a definite nod there as well. Ah, um, uh, marketing. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but and like you said, just the overall, you know, with that, at first you think maybe that's going to go okay-ish. And then, of course, it goes completely to hell, right. as these things do. But uh, there was something else that popped into my mind. Ah, uh, a very, and as I mentioned, as the show goes on, the 
it sometimes goes a little bit less to paying homage and more just like, here, let me beat you over the head with exactly mm-hmm. this thing from this movie. But you have the, uh, uh, speaking of gremlins, the homage to the rather famous Phoebe Cates scene in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Except with Billy. Yeah. And all the another sort of soccer mom kind of yeah, yeah. yeah just leering over him as he walks out in his Baywatch trunks oh hey another one sure to yep, that, there you go. know climb up and probably ignore drowning kids for however many days Billy wasn't a very nice guy did you get any um, I didn't think of this till later but in season three with the, the mall being the centerpiece and, and the uh, uh, the meeting place if you will yes Day of the Dead. Now that you mention it, yeah. yeah. Or well, no, Dawn of the Dead, more accurately. That was the one that took place in the mall. Uh, yeah, it was one of them. Yeah. But yeah, Dawn of the Dead was the one that took place in the mall. That's pretty much where everyone holds up. Yeah. You know, when everything is gone swimmingly as it tends to in zombie movies. And if I recall, George Romero. When he would get to talking about the zombie movies, it would always kind of go in a direction where it's like, okay, in his mind, this is something far deeper than, hey, it's a zombie movie. And that Dawn of the Dead being kind of like the prime example because it was basically something of a condemnation of consumerism and Mm -hmm. of, you know, just the overall tendency that I guess we as a species have to just kind of mindlessly buy and consume and whatnot. and. Which again, okay, and what do zombies do? Hmm. All right. Oh, and here they are at a mall. So it's actually pretty overt when you stop Mm -hmm. and think about it. But if you're just kind of watching, it's just like, okay, yeah, that seems like a nice fortress where maybe you could hang out and not die for a little while. So, and the the transition that that Hopper has over the over over time from season one to season three. Where he's the sheriff with the secret, who who obviously is depressed. Uh, we don't know why at the time. We figure it out later. Mm-hmm. Um, he, his transition from that to Magnum PI slash John McClane slash uh, Fat Rambo, as uh, as they called him in season three. Wow. Um, he uh, so th- uh, he, he ticks. Like all those boxes from season one to season two to season three, where his transformation from yeah. guy who what do I have to live for to an everyman slash action hero. Well, and there at the beginning you have what is effectively, and you actually kicked out a couple of the names, but you've seen Schwarzenegger play that character. Mm-hmm. Was oh yeah, never really yeah, yeah. clear on why an Austrian bodybuilder was picked as the everyman, but never mind that. And I love Arnold. Don't get me wrong, just. There's there's two types of Arnold movies. There's the movie where it's like obviously they wanted Arnold, and there's the movie where it's like, well, we got Arnold, mm-hmm. and you want him to play this. Yep. All right then. Uh, but him, Stallone, Kurt Russell, I imagine has a handful under his belt. Uh, John McClane, you kind of mentioned, is another. Bruce Willis is the, because yeah. Bruce Willis never, as much as I love Die Hard and some of those other movies. Mm-hmm. Bruce Willis always looked more like the everyman. Yeah. You know, uh, he was always more relatable. Yeah. Stallone, no. Smaller guy, too. Stallone, no, yeah. yeah, had the... Stallone, even when he tries to be relatable, it's like, yeah, 
I think he got fat for Copland, but it's like other than that, it's like now nah, you look mm-hmm. like you're chiseled out of granite. Didn't have the martial arts background like Seagal and, mm-hmm. and Van Dam and some of those guys. And, and uh, you can throw Mel Gibson in there with like um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Lethal Weapon, just in sort of the you know like you I think you said this before, but like less living and more just kind of existing. Yeah, yeah, like has a dark. Kind of the same with Mad Max uh, when you think about it after yeah. uh, he loses his family. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much Mad Max from about the, what, about the middle point of first movie on to even the Tom Hardy version. Yeah. Just like right. a wanderer, just, just. Just existing. Yeah. yeah. It just kind of, you know, happens upon this and that from time to time, tends to solve the problem in immensely action packed ways, and then, you know, off into the sunset. We've mentioned a lot of things, but we, we and now that we're kind of into to season three, the decision to bring in the Soviets. Just awesome. You, you can't have this kind of story in this era and the Soviets not eventually peek their head in. And that, to me, that was I could I could not have been happier with the decision to bring to bring them aboard. I was a little bit surprised, hindsight being what it is. Like, when Matthew Modine starts talking, he starts talking with a German accent, like, in the first season, I was like, oh, huh. Like, I, I remember half expecting that we would find out this was something Russian-related, and it's mm-hmm. like, nope, we're saving that one. Yeah. But, yeah, and I, we've talked about this many a time, just on our off periods, but there's a certain fascination, like, if you grew up in the 80s with the Cold War, particularly oh, for, yeah. like, you know, parents' generations actually having, like, you know, duck and cover and whatnot, and you might can expound upon this even more than I can. I was just thinking about all those, uh, the great movies and the great TV shows that even if it wasn't about the Cold War, it was some sort of nod to the Cold War. Yeah. You know, uh, who doesn't love all of that stuff? Anytime, any uh, documentaries, any kind of, uh, when when CNN or... um, uh, and various people have done it now. Nat Geo does it all the time too, mm-hmm. where they have those decades shows. Um, I want to, I want more Cold War stuff in those shows. I want to know because uh, again, it goes back to what we said a little while ago. I was eight years old at the end of the '80s. I don't remember a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about a lot of things. I want to go back and know more about what I missed being too young to know any better. Yeah. And on top of that. Just the Cold War itself, like, influenced a whole lot of, like, I guess what you would call, like, returning to, like, we were speaking about Mad Max, like, post-apocalyptic fiction, whether it was any given half-dozen Charlton Heston movies from, like, the early 70s, kind of right on through, you know, Mad Max being another example, and, like, that by itself, because of just the horrible what-if yeah, that always kind of floated through everyone's head, because, you know... The, the, During the Cold War. The day after. Yeah. It, the, that kind of stuff. It seemed yeah. like, you know, there, there were times when it seemed like that possibility of, all right, well, what do we do if everyone decides maybe to go? Yeah. Well, nope. This could be, yeah, this is on the table, so to speak. Your, um, I'll ask you this because I think my answer, I think I know what mine is. Has your favorite character remained your favorite character all the way through the show? Barring a certain sequence, which we'll get to towards the end of the show, that I guess you should say who who is your favorite character. We should say that first. Uh, fair enough. Uh, my favorite characters, and I came with this kind of from a two pronged approach, which is the looking at it as I would a kid who grew up 
you know, in this time period mm-hmm. and looking at it as an adult now looking back are Dustin and Hopper. Um, also throw out Steve as a nice nod there who as one who like grew into a favorite character. Yes, that absolutely. Sense. That's a, yeah, very much. Um, as with Dustin, I was going to say, you were asked if he was still my favorite character. Um, up until a slight moment towards the end, which we'll talk about, which had an effect on me, not unlike the opening of the Ark of the Covenant had on the Nazis in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. And then came that. But uh, in general, he, I think, is... There's not, I think, it's the case. He's basically the... The one kid that I guess has like a little bit of the precocious nature and, you know, seems to have a better idea for like, yeah, we need to stop with the squabbling. We need to get stuff done. Right. Get to the point kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, something I really like about that character. And, you know, in the case of Hopper, like I said, this, you know, you're looking at a guy who I don't know the actual age of the actor. I suspect he's probably quite a bit older than us, but for all points and purposes, he's playing about our age. So it's like you have that kind of nice breach of or uh, branch in, I guess, of like the guy who's more like how you were back when you were this age and the guy who's more of like kind of mentally speaking, kind of almost a stand in for you now looking back on it. So, yeah. Hopper, yeah, Hopper, who's 44, by the way, the actor. Fair enough. Uh, He, um, so actually not that much older than us. Yeah, he's really not. Um, He, I knew he was my favorite episode one. You know, minute one when when he was basically introduced, mm. and that's not changed. I love the the way he has uh, risen to the challenge, uh, the way he became responsible. He, the meaning came back into his life. Um, I, I love how that all all played out and and kind of took him from season one to season three, and right. maybe further, maybe not further. But uh, he's. He was and still is my favorite character. Uh, you're absolutely correct about Dustin. Dustin's the the glue that holds the kids together. Uh, he's the one that that you know, like you say, you, you kind of fi- he doesn't have the uh, uh, what what's uh, Mike. Mike uh, becomes a little too hormonal. Yeah, a little too enamored. The hormones are kind of driving the whole uh, the whole bus here. Mm-hmm. Um, which even that something is pretty relatable because it's like I think we all had that oh, kind of moment yeah. where it's like you had that first one of your friends who actually, for lack of a better term, came online. Yeah. When girls stopped being Ugh, monsters, and then yeah. Anyway, so continue. Um, Steve, definitely. I, th- I feel like we're almost too lockstep on this, but you know, hey, that's a, that's a, it's, it's a real reaction. Yeah. Uh, Steve became. Because you know, I've, I mentioned Hopper and his arc and how he de- developed as a character. Steve is the, is that is the same thing. And my favorite part of season two, I may be skipping ahead a little, but I don't care. Is honestly the Steve and Dustin dynamic. Like yes. that's the part yes. that kept me the most thoroughly entertained <laughs> all the way through. Just right. Suddenly, you have the guy who absolutely has zero patience for kids whatsoever, and what is. Probably to the teenager, the most annoying of this group of children. And now they're pretty much going to be hanging out for about the next however many episodes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. How many? What does she say in season three? How many fr- kids are you friends with? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That dynamic, which. And, and walking deadpan, that particular character. Yeah. Robin, was it? Yes. Yeah. Who I, I really liked, actually. Yeah. Um, and. 
then now we don't have to keep adding new elements to the duo. Robin, okay. I I don't think either of us loves the bratty sister as much as maybe other people do. I was going to say, you you keep saying that there's these other people that do, but I I have yet to meet a person in the wild, shall we say. They're a younger demographic, I'll say that. Fair point, but it's like, to me, it's just the perfect example of, um, to uh, borrow a professional wrestling phrase, go away heat. It's like, are you enjoying this person, you know, being a diabolical, dastardly heel on television? No, I want to turn the television off. Right. And go do something else. Right. What I'm saying is, um, help me out with her name. It's escaping me. Ooh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, Lucas is the brother. Yeah. Erica. 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 Okay. What I'm saying is Erica is Baron Corbin. There, I said it. Yeah. Just makes people want to turn the television off and go wash the dishes. Yeah. It, it, and small doses. Yeah. yeah and yeah, that yeah. was the thing. It's like when she was just kind of like the bratty little sister, you know, who'd make the random, like, smart Alec remark to her brother and whatnot. It's like, huh. And then as soon as it's like, did we just get 15 or 20 agonizing minutes of her negotiating for ice cream so she can climb through a vet? What, what are you doing here? Oh, my God. Far too much camera time in season three. And granted, that whole sequence might have been five minutes, but it felt to me like 50. It had to be more than five. <laughs> like you say, there's, it, it, that, it, that did go on for a little, a little too long. Yeah. Um, other complaints, because I don't, I don't want to dwell on her. She's a child, so I don't want to, like, you know. Just I'll throw too much to clarify, I'm not blaming her. I'm blaming oh, no. them who decided to write this super annoying character. E- she nailed, exactly. she did exactly oh, what was asked of yeah. her by far. I agree with As that. As any good heel does. Sure. But, yeah. Just a little too much going to that, that same well over and over and over. Yeah. Uh, Jake Busey was wasted in season three. Now, not, not wasted, like, incoherent, like, just misused. Um, they Jake Busey. He was basically just a walking caricature of... Yeah, what a lot of right. people think, um, for lack of a better term, dudes in a corporate setting were like in the '80s, and it's like, yes, I'm sure every office had a jackass, but it's oh, like yeah. this is like overtly over the top. Yeah, anyway, totally agree with that. Um, I'm trying because I don't want to be negative. I don't want to dwell on the negative too much because right. I enjoy the whole, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say probably in order. Season one favorite, season two I would rank second, season three I would rank third, and I think it's because of the topic that we've brought up off off the air, off mic, whatever. Um, the lack of diversity amongst the villains, the bad guys. I feel like we need a Destro, we need a Hordak, we need some sort of a second fiddle villain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess you could say Matthew Modine, but it, it, at the end of the day, the that Demogorgons didn't didn't like him either. And yeah, you kind of, you always have like, I guess, to some degree, the secondary human villain, whether it's the actual kind of villain or whether it's just someone who has some sort of an agenda that somehow or another gets in the way of like the thing that we're actually trying to stop here that they don't really know about. But I guess, I I guess they're the second villains are the the Terminator, the guy, the Russians, the Mm. Matthew Modine. But what I mean is just the Russians in general. Not yeah. not specific ones, just yeah, yeah, just yeah. the entire, just the entire country. The yeah. but but they're also fighting the demigorgons or trying to at least 
learn more about them, but they're not in lockstep with them. Right. There's no, we didn't, I mean. All right, lucky for them, eventually in a couple of years in this story, you know, mm-hmm. Stallone will come along sure. and defeat communism, much like he did <laughs> in our own history. But we haven't gotten there just yet. Yeah. There's no, you know, we got, we, we know about the Mind Flayer. We need some other outer space or whatever is out there. Whatever yeah, it is that some we're. Some Lovecraftian elder god or some such something that's yeah. somehow bigger and badder than this one. We basically have had Demogorgons, Demogorgons that were dogs, and Demogorgons that were giant mutated versions of what, you know whatever that thing was. And and, yeah, and then the Mind Flayer basically turns into a whole bunch of people, including mm-hmm. the aforementioned Wasted Gary Busey, or turns them into him or something, and suddenly yes. loses several IQ points and just becomes a rampaging monster. There's which, your, body, your body snatcher scenario, yeah. Right, which was still kind of a... Yeah, I, it's interesting when you see horror movie stupidity not working on like the victims, but actually working on the monster itself. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's kind of a case of what happened with the mind flare. Do it, yeah, right. The last thing, kind of, because again, we don't want to dwell too negatively here. Yeah. I don't think either one of us liked the never-ending story sequence thing. I pretty much like almost turned inside out, cringing during that, and even. <sighs> Whether you like that movie or you don't like that movie, if you like that scene, I, 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 I don't know what to say for you. And yes, I have one friend who loved that scene who I won't name on air, but shame on you. Shame on you for liking it that scene. It just wouldn't end. It just kept going and going. And it's like, oh, they're going to sing the whole song. Uh, well, it's not like there's anything time sensitive needing to happen here. Well, it was like one of those, mo- I mean, just... I believe the German term is Frenchamen or something like that, which basically means, you know, friend shame or secondhand embarrassment, as we would call it here. Mm-hmm. But it was like one of the situations in high school, like just watching your buddy try and talk to a girl and just strike out miserably. And like the only person who can't notice it is him. Just that level of like, oh, God, oh, God, I can't look at this. This is terrible. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. no, you did. Oh, yep. That's what you did. Just had to give everybody a girlfriend. Yeah. And now they're singing Never Ending Story. Yeah. Not not my favorite part. No. Um, And I will say, just if I have to speak, like, in general terms of just, like, likes, dislikes, it would be that it sort of, as it moves on, it goes a little less from here's a show that is set in the 80s to, again, just kind of like, Mm-hmm. Hitting you over the head with the eighties, like a club. Yeah. oh, yeah, New Coke. It's like <laughs> New Coke got screen time here, and it's like okay, you know something nobody fondly remembers, including and especially the Coca Cola Company, New Coke. No one, no one fondly remembers that. The introduction of it seemingly a big part of season three, just overall, or at least it felt that way. Well, yeah, I mean they were they they were a big sponsor. I know that by a huge part. I mean they mentioned it more than twice. I, I kind of liked it. I got to be honest, because it was a way. Obviously, there's a a sponsorship deal there. We know that, but to the point that they brought back new code. Yeah, I got. I've got two cans of it sitting in my house. Bet you it's doing better now than it did then. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> uh, I don't want to drink it. You know, I, I don't want it to come back on a on a on a grand scale. No, but of course not. Who would want to drink that? The the tie in with because that was such a gaff and that was such a kind of a joke from the '80s. 
I like that. I, I didn't have any issue. If you're going to have a Coke tie-in with a show that's so steeped in the 80s, it, you have to bring back new Coke. <laughs> I mean, you have to mention it. I don't disagree with you. Just on general principle, I, yeah. I think certain secrets should stay buried. <laughs> that is one of them. <laughs> um, so, obviously, there are going to be more commercial tie-ins now because of the popularity of this thing. Um, I loved the um, sort of reminiscing about some of the old stores in the mall yes. in season three. Uh, I'm always down for a good Sam Goody neon sign to appear. Yeah. Uh, was there I somewhat more in the loss of that store to these to this day? I, I wish I would love to go back to that mall, you know, for a day. I think that would just be the most fun. Cause, and that's the thing too. And I, I, I said it to, to every kid cause I'm around a lot of kids in, in my job. And I was like, you guys will just never know what the mall is like. Yeah. How they portrayed it in the show, that's how it was. It was the place to be. It was so much fun to go there. And you guys will never have that. I want to the point where it's like, if you did you have no plans that day? Yeah. Uh, you went to the mall. Yeah. Okay. Right. Uh, what was the plan? Nothing. Just go to the mall. That's exactly it. Scrounge up as many quarters as you can. Go to the arcade. You know, hopefully you have enough for like a corn dog or something. You know, but that that was the plan. That was the, oh, yeah. you know, the communal area in most places. You basically found out you didn't you didn't know ahead of time unless you had, you know, a, a, a subscription to Electronic Gaming Monthly or something. Which yeah. uh, I don't know too many people that did. I know you know occasionally you'd buy one at the store. I'd but buy you one at the mall. Or at the ironically, mall. yeah, at, at B Walton's or uh, or uh, uh, any of the yeah the bookstores that were in the mall, Babbage's, yeah, software, etc. All the stuff that's now GameStop, pretty much. Right, and you, but you didn't know about the games that were coming out in the arcade. You you walked up, and then they were and they were there, and you're like, oh my god, Mortal Kombat Two is you know we can yeah, and just follow the line that was practically going out the door. Oh, it was South Park Mall. There's the I, new, I remember it. Yeah, yeah. And back when there was a South Park Mall. Yeah, and they they yeah. don't they will never have that in their life, and I and I, I I'm sad for them. Yeah, you know I brought up in class today or yesterday something about going to the video store, and I know they don't know what that I know they they may know what it is, but they don't have that memory because they, they didn't go. Yeah, and and I hate that for them. Yes, things are easier, and yes, of course it's at your fingertips and and the convenience. Yeah, absolutely. And you can conveniently accidentally spend $200 on <laughs> iTunes buying movies or something. Right. Oh, well, what? They were all 5.99, but it will never feel the same way. It will it will never feel the same way. It'll, it'll never be as fun. Uh and we just become more isolated. I'll say this just my own observation and this actually has nothing to do with Stranger Things, it's more about the video store and kind of what we're talking about. I think having that kind of situation, in a way, twisted as this may sound, because, yeah, consumerism, blah, 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 but whatever. I think it made people a bit more productive in the sense that if you had to get in the car or better get mom or someone to drive you Mm -hmm. across town to go to the store to buy whatever book or whatever game or go to Blockbuster and rent whatever movie. And by the way, if you don't bring this thing back in, what is it, two, three days, enjoy those late charges. Yeah, late fees, yeah. You were going to get on that right then. Now, when it comes to, like, you know, things nowadays, whether mm-hmm. it's actually going to the trouble of buying something, what, trouble, ha, huh, of buying something on iTunes or whether it's just, like, streaming, and maybe you've experienced this phenomenon. I know I have and a lot of my friends have. 
sitting down and like putting stuff on like your Netflix queue and that's what you spend 30 minutes doing yeah. and then you wind up not watching anything and, and going on it. to something else. Right. When you sat down with full intent to watch a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's also so many of these services now yeah. where you're, wait, what is that one on? Do I have that one? What's the, th- there was a show on Amazon Prime. There's actually recently. apps designed to help you keep up with, w- with that. Like, Which is sad in the first place. Yeah. And there was a show that was on Amazon, Amazon Prime, big kind of you know deal people are talking about that just got released recently and i was like oh i can't uh can't watch that i don't have stars hmm. well wait it's not on stars it's on oh it's on amazon Prime. i do have that it's there's so many ways that they come at you now you really you get confused on what is on what what's available on what uh then you oh, i really want to watch this movie and then you find out oh it's not on any of those things that i have except for itunes so i'm gonna have to pay seven dollars to watch it once i'll tell you one of my personal favorites that's come up a lot lately particularly because i was kind of on a horror binge kind of yeah. you know when we were looking kind of research for this episode looking for stuff homage and whatnot uh there's a startling amount of stuff that if you go to for example uh the Apple TV app, and yeah. it's like type in you know the name of a movie. Just just pick a random '80s movie, horror movie, and oh, yeah. oh okay. okay, huh? It's available f- to buy for fifteen ninety nine, or it's available to stream on Prime Video. Oh, cool! Click yeah, Prime Video through Shutter, which is another to, yeah subscription. Now, yeah. granted, it's not a very expensive one, but it was just like you don't know how many times I had that like ah oh. Yeah, it might not be very expensive, but there there comes a point where you have to stop. Yeah, and I'm not what one would call an insanely cheap man. Example, um, we're doing this, but <laughs> there, but yeah, it's There's like I've got, I don't know, like somewhere in between four and six other subscription services anyway. Plus, I actually am one of the old guard who still has cable sure. plus internet, and it's like I, I, I don't need fifty more of these. Disney Plus probably it for me. That's it for a while, so yeah. Anyway, yeah. See, and they're going to bundle that with Hulu and ESPN Plus eventually, and then so it's okay. Oh, great, one great price. Well, then that one great low price is going to go up and up and up, and, and 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 there becomes a point where you're like, um, cable's cheaper suddenly again now than all of, having all of these different streaming services. Which I kind of feel like I spend a lot of time warning people. It's like, no, this cord cutter utopia that you think is coming that's that's not where we're going mm-hmm. it's just going to be a case where it's like you went to sleep and you had one boss and you woke up and the next day you had 18 yeah that that you know right. instead of paying 250 dollars a month to one company you pay 250 dollars a month to 15 yeah anyway sorry no no that's i think that's right online with what we're talking about yeah but uh uh, where you want to see the show go from this point, or I'll tell you what, before we do that, because that'll, that, that'll be what kind of wraps us up, we got to talk about the music. I was about to say, I yeah. definitely want to talk about the soundtrack. We definitely have to talk about the soundtrack. Um, it's gone from the use more of the score, in the in like, you know, which we touched on a little earlier, mm-hmm. and a few songs, there's a song here, a song there, a song. And in some cases, like orchestral songs by famous artists or famous, famous bands artists. that yeah. if you don't know any better you might just assume are part of the score yes which we'll get also to true. but yes um to now we are as we go 
we're we're more into using songs. Yeah, more using songs for every little thing. Here's something you definitely know about, or yes. you definitely recognize that. Yep, that's the '80s. Right. Yeah. Material Girl and a lot of yeah. '70s, uh, you know, stuff in there too. I know. Uh, I think '60s and '70s because uh, Jefferson Jefferson Airplane just got a couple of songs uh, in that first season. Yeah. Um, which, of course, you know, a song from 1969 would have been 11, 12, whatever, 13 years old. So, uh, okay, that's not that long ago. So was they would have blooded in there, or did I imagine that? Whew. Could have sworn there was an episode that ended with that, but I can't remember for sure. Um, I remember there's a very key foreigner song that, was in there that I do want to discuss, but we'll save that for a second while we I Google live think on this, air. This uh, season, season three. Okay. Yeah. Because I was going to say, I seem to remember there being like the episode where Billy was like, I can't remember if it was the thing responded. Was it, it responded better to heat or responded better to cold? Season two was, uh, it likes it cold. Okay. And remember, because they try to sweat out the 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 uh, in- invader, basically. Right. At the end of season two. Okay. Because I think that's the episode was like when whatever it is finds its way into Billy, and like maybe one episode where he's like okay. trying his, you know, hardest to like. I gotcha. Something and like I yeah, think because it ends they put with him like in the blooded. Okay. But yeah. Anyway, sorry. I think you might be right. Anyway, uh, but. As much as they use movies and directors and styles and nods to this and nods to that, music plays a huge role in this show as well. Very much so. Not just because, you know, like you mentioned, some of the stuff that people don't even realize what they're hearing, what they're listening to. Um, instrumental, uh, who was it that you that you told me? Uh, uh, off the top of my head, Allegia, uh, which is a song by New, New Order, Order, right? Yes. Yeah. And... Little background on the song. It uh, New Order, as I had mentioned before, which ironically there's a Joy Division song on here too. But New Order rose out of the ashes of Joy Division after the suicide of Ian Curtis, mm-hmm. the lead singer of Joy Division. Allegia was a song, basically, and you know it's a mournful funeral dirge type song mm-hmm. dedicated to Ian Curtis. Yeah, and of course it's played over the funeral for you know what right. you think at that point is the you know uh, the kid that. I'm not good with names. Uh, <laughs> kid that everyone thought Will. had died. Yes, Will. Yeah. He's only the main plot of the show. Why would yeah. I know his name? Why would you? Know? Anyway, that was one of those key moments. Like, I remember hearing it and thinking, oh, wow. Because, like, when you hear a New Order song, you know, you know, that one, you might hear it in a trailer here and there, but it's not one that they just break out a lot. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, first of all, okay, perfect usage, but... Also, I wonder how many people are going to hear this and just assume, man, the score is really awesome. Right. When it's like, because it just fits almost seamlessly in with the score. And the same can be said for there's a Vangelis track played, I think, a handful of times in the show. But mm-hmm. I know late in season one and maybe again in season three that has sort of similar. I would imagine there's at least one or two people who probably have like the score and keep listening to it, looking for Allegia and the Vangelis song and missing. Right. Like, where's that one? And like, yeah, turns out that one's actually a song. There are, uh, and I one thing I do appreciate is because a lot of teenagers, preteens, you know, watch this show, they are being introduced to some of this music. Yes. They're then going and downloading some of this music mm-hmm. uh, onto their various devices. 
and they're listening to Corey Hart, and they're listening to Tangerine Dream, and they're listening to whether it, you know, uh, Peter Gabriel, for crying out loud, with his cover of Heroes. Yeah. Um, different 80s. A little two for one in there, because that's a cover of a Bowie song, so Yeah, even right, better. right, right, yeah. so even better. Um, so you've got Oingo Boingo, and you've got Devo, and the Scorpions even, like, the fact that they are using all the different types of music from that kind of... S- 70 to 80 whatever yeah. range that they're using pretty much all that was on 98 rocks we were growing well maybe not all of it but a ton of it yes you know, yeah right and so they are introducing that age group mm-hmm. to this music they don't know they don't know what it is you bring up things just in conversations with them they don't they don't know what you're talking about yeah and it's like how do you not know you know example a how do you not know what that is right how does everybody not know what this is? And they look at you and they just, I don't know what that is. So I enjoy, I appreciate shows like this that make them at least interested in knowing more, kind of like how I was wanting to know more about the eighties. And mm-hmm. you know, while I, when I was growing up in the nineties, yeah, they do want to go back and learn more about what is that? Yeah. Who is that? What's, what's that song? Well, who, what do they have other good songs? You know? So, I am all I'm all about that. Yeah. I I appreciate that. And uh, another bonus for that one is and now granted you mentioned like Corey Hart for example. Mm-hmm. Now Sunglasses at Night is played in the show at some point, but like you said they also play Never Surrender, other, right? Yeah, yeah, they play the other, you know, it's like yeah. as it turns out there were other Corey Hart songs. Yeah. And you know, kind of like what I was saying uh to my earlier point about New Order. You know, Allegia is not a conventional New Order song. You know, yeah. if you mention New Order, sure. there's Probably four or five songs that would come to mind for most people. Those haven't made air. And then, in the case of Joy Division, Love Will Tear Us Apart would probably be the song that most people associate with Joy Division. Maybe the only Joy Division song people know, they played Atmosphere, which is another good one. And it's funny because Atmosphere keeps showing up now in, like, other netflix shows i've noticed mm-hmm. so i don't know if netflix just cut a check and was like all right we're getting as much use out of this as we can or what but right. um well the point of the matter is it's you know like i said the song most associated with that band is probably love will tear us apart it was sure it is yeah which actually a throwback to what we were speaking of earlier with influences i don't know if you would call donnie darko an influence but They've seen, s- they've seen it before. They absolutely yeah. have, yes. But it definitely fits this mold, and it also kind of does a version, you know, kind of what we were talking about, where, like, they would play songs, and a lot of times it wasn't necessarily the song you knew. Yeah. In some cases it was, but still. And I think Love Will Tear Us Apart was played in that one, and is actually, a lot of people I know, that's how they know that song. It's because they saw Donnie Darko. Like, not, really? oh, they grew up and they were huge Joy Division fans. Because, you know, Joy Division was basically gone before we were even on this planet. Sure. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah. right. And never yeah, whatever, quite what, made it to that level. So. Right. New Order did. Yes. Um, so I guess maybe more, they'd be more familiar with them. Maybe. I don't know. Mm. But kind of depends on who you're talking to, but yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, they definitely uh, carried, the, carried the torch. And I would say, uh, again, just thank you. Because we know how great these songs are, and, and they kind of fill up our day still in, in 2019. Yeah. Uh, so I, I definitely appreciate what they used, uh, not just in the movies for the, the nods to those moments, mm. but the songs. Now, from here, where do we go? Well, just one, just to put kind of a period on the sentence about the songs. I will mm-hmm. say, it, 
interesting to me and kind of going my overall point about how things kind of get less subtle as they go and there's not necessarily an insult or a compliment just observation mm-hmm. the songs in the first season oftentimes are a little more subtle and then you know by the time season three rolls around it's like you've got madonna now you know yeah et um there was one interesting uh one song that jumped out to me you ever have those moments where like you see usage of a song in a movie and you kind of can't hear the song the same way anymore without thinking about this i have to throw in this one example which is going back to foreigner they uh played waiting for a girl like you yes they did and that's played over a splice of a moment where steve and nancy are shall we say consummating their relationship yeah oh and over here barb's being murdered by this huge (laughs) monster And it's like the end scene being like Barb screams yeah. as the song drifts off. Hey, and it's just like, no, and that, you know, it's like the cold open. And it's just like, okay, well, can't ever hear that song again and sure. not think about that. It, 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 yeah, it, yeah, right. It etches that moment in your mind. So, yeah. And like the most twisted way possible. A but great yeah. way for them to uh, sort of make you remember a scene. Yeah. Here's because, your conventional oh. usage of that song. Here's your distinctly unconventional use. Should I say? Should I stay or should I go? I mean, that's maybe the biggest one in the whole thing. Yeah. Um, you that ha- now that image like of the, kind of the code work, like the code, yeah. you know, where they figure out, oh, he's alive and he's in there. Right, and, and that's the, that sticks in your head, and you now think when you hear that song, one of the first couple of things you think of is, is Stranger Things. Yeah. Uh, the, them using you mentioned the uh, the cover of Bowie, mm-hmm. the Heroes. Yeah. Uh, how. They used it in season one and in season three, and they used it kind of at the right moments to make you think maybe maybe that character is not dead mm-hmm. after all. So they do a really good way uh, thing where they, they are able to use songs and music to almost sticking points that you come back and you think of. There, there's nothing I can think of in the show where – like they play a song during a certain part where I'm just like, okay, that's off brand. Except, oh God, forgive me. Except for uh, <laughs> even the never ending story, it's like what they were going for, they accomplished. Yes, I, right. I, I will acknowledge that. It's just, it's like you went too far. <laughs> that that's the thing. Yeah, yeah it's even that worked. <laughs> even as as kind of irritating as that was, it worked. Yeah. With that in mind, where would you like to see the show go from here? I struggle with this because I kind of want Hopper to not be alive. He's my favorite character. I've said that. I but may or may not have seen photographical evidence of you wearing a Hopper Hawaiian shirt yeah. at um, Shreveport's own GeekedCon. I've done two separate Hopper cosplays, actually. Um, and hmm. Me with Macho Man, you with Hopper. <laughs> my God. I... I kind of like the shock value of oh they're not going to kill off one of the main they're not going to kill off such an important character keeping like a man who hasn't four. seen game of thrones uh and never will but uh it is uh, look at me i'm a hipster i watch popular tv oh that's no, got nothing to do with that. i'm just not going back and doing all that uh, sorry it, it has nothing to do with the popularity of it well it's uh, just a scant 90 or so hours of your life man the the, the time the time that, that it, yeah, I, I can't do it. Anyway, to your point about Hopper, two sorry. seasons in, and wait, that's his brother. That they're related. Um, so yeah, back to the point about Hopper. The shock value of such a vital character, because you mentioned Game of Thrones. 
think about how many vital characters were in that show. And granted, Ned was the main guy. I know that of the the family or whatever. Yeah, the main guy for the first season. Right. And people will try to argue that he wasn't. It's like, oh no, he is the absolute main character sure of the is. first book, first season. Sure he is. And he does not make it out of the first season. Right. Oops, spoiler. Right. Well, Shows I think people probably should know that by now. Uh, but because the cast isn't as big in a show like Stranger Things as far as the number of them, mm. you don't expect, and because, look, there's a lot of teenage girls that are super invested into the show and they don't like people dying. So that was a shock. That was a, whoa, wait, no way. Did they? And then, wait, yeah, no, they did. As it turns out from some of the backlash that see, uh, that Game of Thrones got, a lot of people don't like people dying after a point. Oh, well, but right, right, right. That, that's a conclusion of a show, not conclusion of a season. Anyways, all right, continue. And I, th- I, I, the shock of that, the oh wait, they did do it. I kind of want that to be, you know, it was one of the uh, one of the Russos. Said or or not? No, I'm sorry, it wasn't him. It was the guy that directed Guardians of the Galaxy, James Gunn. Yes, Gunn. If if they bring back Yondu and put him in the Marvel Cinematic Universe again, I'm I'm done because the death was how it needed to be. It was perfect. He doesn't need to be reintroduced, and I see what his point to that. Yeah. Yes, irony coming from a guy who was already fired once and brought back. But okay, sorry. <clears throat> but we don't. Uh, yeah, and I get we we. But can I bend, see his point. Yes, yes, we can bend things a certain way to make things happen. It is that type of world, but and comics in general. Sure. But we don't we don't have to we don't always need to no and so I kind of I kind of am okay with that closing that part of the of the of the book the chapter the story whatever and moving on to okay now how are we going to get Elle's powers back is she, you know what's going to happen because she's moved off to another city and what's going to happen with her my you know I, the whole yeah. I, I I wouldn't mind that and they that, made her basically yeah like insanely overpowered and then just yep no more powers so yeah that is an interesting it'll be interesting to see kind of like what you're doing now with this it almost hey yet another homage superman 2 yeah we've, we've got a there's a, your powers and now the real problems start it seemed know? like yeah. there were a few of, uh, of those in the 80s right like where i've got to go back with the miyagi like figure and i've got to learn how to get back what i had and and save the day and and that kind of thing yeah or, so, or Yoda, or uh, one. right, but right. Yes. and you—that's got to happen. You know, that's got to happen, of course. But now, do they introduce another kind of actor in that age range? You know, does he sort of because '80s shows used to do that constantly, where they would kill off a guy or a guy would leave the show, and then they would replace him with basically the same type of character. But hey, you know, uh, they lampooned it beautifully in Beer Fest. Where they killed off the one guy, and then his the, the same actor shows back up and says, "Oh yeah, I'm his twin brother. I'm er- in in every way just like him." Uh, hey, ma- matter of fact, call me his name. It'll make it easier for everybody. <laughs> and like they used to, they did that in so many '80s shows and movies, you know, sequels to movies. There was actually an actor, um, I believe it was Ted McGinley, who was sort of famous yeah. for being cast in this role and generally helping to kill off the show afterwards. The one glaring yeah. example where yeah. it didn't happen being married with children. Right. But um, there's a, the old cliche, uh, basically kind of the Cousin Oliver or Scrappy-Doo effect, yeah. where it's like, here's this new character, and what's the job? Basically to annoy you and make you long for the days of when the show just worked and this character wasn't here. 
Oh, well. So I'm hoping they don't do that, yeah. but it's my suspicion that Hopper is not just straight dead and that the American they were referring to at the, yeah. I guess, basically post credit scene is probably him. I, I think it probably is, too, uh, because there are just so many people who want Hopper to come back. But if they were to just off him, yeah, I would say you off him and you don't find a stand-in. You just yeah. off him. I, and I you work around it. Agree with that. I think I don't think we've seen the last of uh, Modine. They alluded to him in season two as, as not being dead when they went to, to the apartment of the guy who used to work for the lab. I think mm. um, another GeekCon former GeekCon guest, and he's not done. I just don't feel like he's done yet with the show. I And I know there's some confusion to his nationality. I think he might even could be the American because somebody had to tell them about all this or or at least fill them in and show them what to do uh, with their own scientists and all that. So I don't think he's done for. Uh, I I am at that weird spot where, you know, with a lot of shows that are have great first season, good second season, you know, you kind of, all right, this is what's going to happen. I don't feel like I'm there with Stranger Things. I don't know where they're going next. I don't either. I will say, though, to your point about Modine, mm -hmm. but also to Hopper, there's kind of the old cliche, and this was even true in shows that did kill off massive amounts of their principal cast, but uh, like Game of Thrones or Walking Dead. But if you didn't see it happen, didn't happen. Sure. And as you kind of mentioned with Modine, it's like, I don't quite remember his exit. I don't remember it being, let's say, to the degree of, for example, um, Sean Astin. Right. Sean Astin's oh, yeah, dead. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's done for. He's dead, and not <laughs> only that, but, you know, a big part of the season, you know, was kind of based around Joyce kind of coming to grips with that. Yeah, it, it was. And, well, he – it alludes to the Demigorgon, but, you know, killing Matthew Modine. But, again, you don't see it. The camera kind of – you know, they kind of go – down to the floor the camera doesn't pan and it just you are left to assume and then uh, it's like tommy lee jones and the fugitive mm. is there a body did you see a body well then he's still alive yeah the hanging string basically just if, if there's right. a hope spot left it's not necessarily the case i don't think we're done with him and it's like if the show ends and he never comes back well yeah turned out he was dead if he comes back next season no he wasn't here's why yeah, right there you go from there uh how they handle the now now you've got two long distance things happening dustin and Susie and mike and 11 i somewhat um, suspect we may never see Susie again but <laughs> she'll be like uh maybe elizabeth that's just shoe. A hope. i don't elizabeth know elizabeth shoe and karate kid too and oh uh, yeah we're, we're not together anymore oh okay um so couldn't work out the contract details got it which reminds me you really really need to see cobra kai yeah i'm gonna get around i'll get around to that i yeah. feel like i don't have to invest as much of my life as I would Game of Thrones. 30-minute episodes, and I think there's like 8 to 10 of them. So, yeah, you can kill it in an afternoon, basically. Um, the Russians are n are still there. That's not gone away. No. Is there... S Much like in our own reality. Could they... Lie dormant for a little while sure. and then start screwing around with Everybody things. Everybody laughed at Mitt Romney. He was right. Um, could they tie this into Chernobyl somehow? I hope they don't because I'm not a huge fan of like blaming what happened on what was going on that nobody knew about kind of thing. Or even just using a real tragedy as the backdrop for this fake thing that we're going to make up involving monsters and new coke. Mm -hmm. 
But that's a good point. Maybe that's just me. Did you? Uh, well, did you see the? Um, there's a, a, a phone number that you can call, and it's basically uh, Murray Bauman's voicemail, and the, the character from the show, the conspiracy guy, the reporter, or whatever. Yeah, who happens to be right for once. Yes. Yeah. Well, if you call this number, it's it's like you're calling his answering machine. And he basically alludes to, oh, Joyce, if, if this is basically, if you're, not, if you're Joyce, we've really got to talk. I found out some, some stuff. Uh, if it's mom, blah, blah, blah. If it's anybody else, don't ever call here again. Yeah, so, again, brilliant marketing by, by Netflix. Nice. Um, so there, I believe that's I heard another, about that, but, yeah, I have, I've not yeah, made Yeah, it's that a working call. phone number. You I can might, call it. might want to do that after right. we get off air here. So it's a little bit of an Easter egg that, that may, oh, Hopper's okay. Hopper's not dead. He's in the either in the upside down. Um, maybe he'll communicate with Christmas lights. Um, he's either in the upside down or somehow did make it out of that side door thing that was there and the Russians took him. I don't know how the Russians would have got him all the way out of that fortress, basically, that they had built underneath the mall uh, with nobody seeing at that point, but I guess it's possible. Using cheaper yet <laughs> Strangely efficient technology, <laughs> much like Vostok hey, watches. The door didn't get knocked down by that giant blast from a, in, another dimension. Um, great, chances are, yes, Hopper is in Russia. Mm. I, I think we all probably think that's what's going to happen. Um, but, and another nod to the 80s, Han Solo from, now we saw Han frozen, and so the, the mystery wasn't there, but he wasn't, Thought until Return of the Jedi. Well, in that particular trilogy, yes. Yeah. Ultimately, we know what happened. Sure. All right. Uh, but either what that's one of the two is in the Russian jail, and I almost think they may try a. Oh, we think oh, it's definitely Hopper, and then they open the door, and it's Brenner. So, like, oh well, Hopper, I guess is the. And then no, he's not. Episode two, something happens, and then and there he is, and then they're they're both involved. I think there are so many ways that they can still go with this. I also absolutely hope this is the last season. Because season five, I think, is pushing it. I'm trying to remember. I want to say I read something the other day that either said that season four was the last season or that season five would be. But They've almost definitely made it clear that there will not be more than five. Yeah. And, I mean, you get too much further, you're going to run out of 80s. So there's also that yeah. to consider. And I don't think any of us want this to go down that. But look, a lot of people I know just from people I talked to, the way Game of Thrones went when it ran out of the source material, right? A lot of people just fell off with liking it, loving it as much as they did. Uh, and yet continued to watch. And sure they And did. to oh, record-breaking numbers. This is going to be the week. And, no, and going to be the week. complain about it on the internet. Right. Just like wrestling See, that's why I don't watch it. I don't want to be one of those guys that complains about it. <laughs> but, yes. Sorry. Continue. I don't, th- I don't think any of us want it to outlive its, its usefulness. Which actually kind of leads to direction. I wouldn't mind seeing it go in. For the most part, you kind of covered thoughts I had on it. The one little thing I will add was I wouldn't mind seeing eight again and seeing just kind of maybe further exploration of, yeah, no, there's other people out here that, you know, we turned into mid-grade superheroes yeah. or maybe not even mid-grade in the case of Eleven at her height of her powers. I wouldn't mind seeing further exploration of that because if you'll recall, she had a distinctly different skill set than... 11. Eight, yeah, it wasn't eight, yeah. it wasn't like the scanners thing where everybody just goes around, you know, using telekinesis. Right, it right, was, right. you know, yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing a further explanation of that or exploration and explanation. Um, and I do think a lot of times with stuff like this, to a degree, uh, it works best when it stays a little mysterious. But 
I mean, if you're going to go four or five seasons, you might as well just, you know, tell the, the whole story after point. Another th- another thing to to think about, not necessarily in, in where the story is going, but they always bring back one or two actors that were kind of like the bit part people, you know, not necessarily leading men. You know, Sean Astin's not a leading man, mm-hmm. but they bring back him for st- or they bring him in for season two. They get. Carrie Elways for season three. They get uh, Paul Reiser's and Paul Reiser. Yeah, that, that, um, that's absolutely even Jake Busey to a degree. Hmm. Um, a guy that was just here this weekend. How awesome would it be if they found something to do for Michael Rooker? Uh, how how awesome would it be if they found something to do for guys like that, that are kind of those guys that we loved mm-hmm. or and still do from those movies from that time. Um, there's, you know, there's going to be one or two. Uh, I mean, is there anyone that jumps out at you that you would, oh, you know what, this guy would be great if they could find the right thing for him? I wonder what Kevin Nash would feel about being dressed up as a mind flare. Mm. Anyway. Well, somebody's got to get in there. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, let's see. Um, I would imagine you could, actually, speaking of people that were here this weekend, LeVar Burton seems like he'd probably be a pretty good fit somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah, he probably could pull that off. He might be a little busy, depending on this Picard thing that's coming up. Fair point. Yeah, but which he would absolutely not acknowledge. He he wanted nobody to ask him about that <laughs> because I don't think there's much he can really say. Yeah, uh, I'm sure he's on full lockdown. Yes. Um, uh, but there there are other. Uh, I, I you know you, maybe they don't spring immediately. You know the name, but you can kind of say, oh yeah yeah that guy would be great in Stranger Things. Hey, if they use that guy, you, oh tev- yeah, I could definitely see that. But to your point, I do think it needs to sort of remain like kind of the under the radar. You know what I mean? Like yes. Kurt Russell doesn't need to be running around. <laughs> Thing. Like somebody yeah. who's a star in the '80s doesn't need to. Yeah, you know, it's a good thing yeah. that Costner's got his, his his thing going. They don't need to bring Costner in, right? But, uh, or Schwarzenegger, or Stallone, <laughs> or. But you know the guys I'm talking about: Curtis Armstrong, uh, you know, yeah. uh, uh, somebody like that. Uh, I, I think they're. I, I loved when they made that announcement of Sean Astin. I was like, you know mm-hmm. what? That's fantastic. That's perfect. Uh, Carrie always perfect. I'll tell you, it's kind of funny, if not for the fact that there is an ongoing show probably partially inspired by the success of this of hey let's see what we can do again i would have probably said william zabka or ralph macchio but yeah they're a little tied up now we yeah right um zabka for sure but that would have been a nice under the radar you know how perfect would it have been if zabka would have turned out to be billy's father (laughs) oh that would have been just tee it up home run yeah that would have been perfect Actually, um, someone else from the uh, Karate Kid universe who just popped into my head that might work in some regard. The, uh, if I'm not mistaken, at the time, what, 29-year-old Vietnam veteran who was the same <laughs> age as Ralph Macchio, who one is playing a high schooler, one is playing a guy in like his mid-40s. Mm-hmm. Uh, was it? Thomas Ian Griffith, perhaps. Oh, um, that would be kind of like a deep pull, but maybe somebody you could throw in there like that. Or Thomas Ian Griffith. That's the guy from. Uh, uh, you're talking of it. One of them is rookie of the year. Yes. One of them is a 29 year old Vietnam veteran in 1989. Yeah. In uh, Da Nang. At yeah, age you're seven. talking about. Uh, I guess. Uh, Karate Kid Three. Yes. Which is my favorite Karate Kid movie. Wow. Because it's so and – and, and he makes it oh, – he is the reason. Because he is so bad, 
and so cheesy with the pony and he's creases like buddy yeah and they're gonna bring back the dojo yeah you know and they've got that the young punk the new right. who's just like william zapka but obviously they zapka they couldn't afford him anymore so but a ginger guy. yeah yeah so Who definitely not i believe is rookie on of the year the but bald the, other and the beautiful now or something yeah but yeah oh uh, that you know what i would sean Cannon yeah. name is uh, was escaping me is that the uh okay the guy you were talking about the the William Zabka stand-in, for lack of a better yes. term. Yes. Um, yes. Please bring in Terry Silver. That was his character's name. Oh, my God. He, just awesome. So, so good. Um, that, you know what? I, I wouldn't have an issue that with that. was quietly like one of the most, yeah, the 80s has run its course villains. <laughs> that would be Just wicked. ever. Just, are you kidding me? But, um, just like, and like I said, doesn't necessarily have to be a big, thick role. Maybe just a nod, but yeah, who's to say? Um, but there are definitely people in that category. Yeah, you know, I'm sure if we fleshed it out a little bit longer, it was just it wasn't, wasn't one of those things that we researched or we're going to talk about. It just kind of popped in yeah. my head. Yeah, another one kind of popped in my head there for a minute, but uh, it might come back to me as we continue on. Anyway, but moving along. Um, but I mean, like I said, the overall point. Or just for me is I like the sort of under the radar or they were in something, it left an impression, but it wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. meteoric, I guess you could say. I, I feel like you get away with Val Kilmer because Val Kilmer's star turn really didn't really start until about the 90s. That I feel like me, you disagree. No, <laughs> I, I'm just kind of in my mind thinking about it. I don't, I don't have an issue with that. I, I think... I think he's right at the top of that of that list. Yeah. As far as who we would want it to be. He's he's close. Him to or maybe, maybe Matthew Broderick, kinda like <sighs> Matthew Broderick has been quiet lately. Yeah. Well, you know, Godzilla nineteen ninety seven ish will do that to a man. Is Emilio Estevez too big? Uh not to me. I don't I, I that that to me is To me too big is you could sell him well. Okay, maybe. Um, but I, I I don't know. I think part of it also helps is like if you look different enough yeah, than you did in, say, 1987, that might help. Stallone inexplicably still pretty – I mean, yes, he looks older, but you know what I mean. Sure. It's still like, yep, that's Stallone. I would love for Mr. Clark's dad to be Rick Moranis. Nice. I feel like – because Moranis, you know, famously, he kind of – he got out of Hollywood, kind of shut off. His wife passed away. He was raising the kids. He didn't want the movies to interfere. But now he's starting to venture out again. Mm-hmm. He's starting to do conventions and appearances. And of course, rumors of the Ghostbusters three. Yes, yeah, Ghostbusters three. Um, yeah. Jamie Gertz makes sense. That's she won on a ride. Writer's sister or something. That's you know Jason Patrick. Oh yeah. Oh definitely, he could be used somehow. Corey Feldman, I think, ironically, too big. He was in too much stuff. Nobody in the 80s. wants to, nobody wants that train wreck on the set. I mean, also that no one sure. wants that. <laughs> Be a jerk about it, but still, I'm just saying um, he was quietly. It's like now, you know, he's yeah. a punchline. Then no, he was in like every other movie. You couldn't Andrew McCarthy. I could see that. I could definitely see that. Yeah, uh, actually, I'm kind of rooting for that now. Judd Nelson, James Spader, Jennifer Grey. We 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 need another. Ironically, female. she's been in a show that is, shall we say, thematically similar. Red Oaks. It was an Amazon original. It was based in the 1980s. It was a comedy. Mm. 
worth watching okay. if you or whoever happens to be listening to this gets a chance. But yeah, that'd be another good one. I think we, I think we're you, people will definitely get what we're who we're talking about as far as the range. Yeah, that we of the names that we just threw out there though. But yeah, basically someone as I mentioned, kind of below Stallone, Schwarzenegger, or Tom Cruise yeah. level, but high enough that it's like you see them and you're like, yeah, eighties. Yeah, I, I you know there's going to be one or two, and I forget how early they announced Sean Astin and Carrie Elwes, but I feel like we got some pretty decent advanced warning that they were going to be a part of the next season. I know you definitely are. I know you did for Carrie Ellis because you were not surprised by Carrie Ellis. Yes, I, was. I knew about that. Like, I didn't know he was going to be in it. And come think of it, I don't know that I knew Sean Astin was either. But, like I said, I don't follow, uh, shall we say, I guess, movie news and whatnot maybe mm-hmm. as closely as I should on Stranger Things. Like, I kind of like to be surprised. I feel the more like I like was... something, the less likely I am to, like, you know. I feel like it was just thrown out, like, on a, a tweet or something from the show. Hmm. And they had a hey, such and such, and this other one added to the cast. And I want to say yeah, we so had. Oh, by the way, yeah, I feel like we had a a good six month warning at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, for season three, even longer because it, they they took two years. But I feel like we knew pretty well in advance, or at least it was out there pretty well in advance. Yes, moving things along a bit. I did want to ask: Have you and? We don't have to do a deep dive on all these, but just if there are any movies that you've seen that have attempted, shall we say, this type of thing, whether it was maybe something before or something after, TV show, movie, et cetera, that has sort of the same idea, you know, and I don't mean just like, oh, it was set in the 80s, but, you know, something that, you know, has kind of like that mixture, uh, you know, whatever ingredients are in this particular pot, shall we say. Do you have an example? I mean, the one that came immediately spring to mind was Donnie Darko. I feel like Donnie Darko kind of did this before this did this. Yeah. Though not, I mean, to the point that, hell, Stephen King books are like floating around that movie. But mm-hmm. um, some that have come since, uh, and not all of these are necessarily in the horror genre, but, and some actually predate it. Uh, there was a movie that came out as a horror movie a couple of years, actually at this point, maybe about five years ago, called It Follows... It was one of those that was a modest success, but I still know a lot of people who haven't seen it. Yeah. The time period where it takes place is somewhat indeterminate because it's very... And I that was actually by design. Like, the filmmaker wanted it to sort of seem kind of like... <clears throat> I think he described kind of like a kind of like a nightmare or a bad dream. So, yeah. for example, you know, everything feels 80s. It... A lot of people dress 80s. Meanwhile, here's this character over here playing on this, like, clamshell, you know, smartphone-like device. So, you know, but, like, all the furniture and everything, the decor, you know, everything just screams, like, okay, so Mom's Interior Decorator was from 1978. You know, that kind of thing. Oh, look, the the nostalgia thing, uh, and I think Stranger Things Mm -hmm. has lit the match, uh, I I guess. Well, I mean, I... I say that there were things obviously before, but, and I mean, just the time period in general, you know, you have a lot of people our yeah. age who are consumers who they're kind of going after. Uh, yeah. I love watching the Goldbergs. 
um i love that they don't fall it's not chronological they just it's it's an it's 80s soup you know some mm-hmm. of those things didn't go with some of those other things that, you know that but they're uh, whatever we don't you know they're gonna love it anyway right and um uh what is it oh american horror story is going this route for the next season yeah, uh, if I recall, something something summer camp. It's it's like a slasher yeah. flick kind of route that they're going to go with this next season. Supposedly, it's going to be a lot different than you know previous seasons. I know one of the mainstay actresses is not in it or something like that. Um, I've actually never. I've been meaning to the point about the con, kind of the curse of convenience. I've been mm-hmm. meaning to get around to American Horror Story for. I don't know, it's entire run and haven't, but that season I will probably check out. Uh, yeah, just because of uh, of that of the the plot and those reasons I will too. I've seen some of it. It's not my favorite. I don't get why people are as nuts about it necessarily. Uh but I watched uh, I've watched a few. The girlfriend wanted to to get into it, so I was all right, yeah, let me check it out. And I I didn't stay with it as long as long as she did and then even she after all was like, "Yeah, mm. this is getting kind of old." But because of the whole 1980s slasher flick thing. That I'm, I'm a little bit more interested to try it out this time. And I think it just goes back to the original point. Yeah. If you throw this stuff at us, we're probably going to check it out because we just love the time period. And I will say some of the other things, uh, one final one that I kind of thought of that came before it. Uh, don't know if you ever saw this movie. Let me in. I did not. Okay. Chloe Grace Moritz is in it. I know kind of what you're talking about. You know her if you saw her. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. It's a remake of a Swedish film called Let the Right One In, and it's basically it's a vampire movie that revolves around a 12-year-old and, shall we say, what appears to be a 12-year-old. And it has kind of this, like, both the original and the remake, kind of the same basic idea here. You know, set in the midst of the middle of the 80s, Fair amount of 80s music, the overall feel, the score not quite so much, at least not in let or I don't feel like in either the score was quite so much, but, you know, did a very good job of like capturing the time period. Yeah. At least the remake did. I don't really know what Sweden was like in 85, <laughs> or now, for that matter. Never been there. Right. I assume cult. Um, but as far as stuff that went, or that has come after, the things that kind of jumped in my mind, Glow, another... Uh, Netflix show is a fairly overt example. Mm-hmm. That's as in the gorgeous ladies of wrestling, you know, the uh, 80s. The 80s, yeah, right. Female wrestling show. Um, now, it's not just like full blown, you know, like true to history or anything. They have, you know, kind of like stand ins and whatnot. But, you know, it, it's very 80s. It, it's good about reminding you, you know, of nostalgic. Sure. You know, things, this, that, and the other, the music, et cetera. Which we're all suckers for. Their music, a little bit more overt in a lot of cases, I would say. Like the, okay, that's something that was definitely on the radio or definitely in a commercial or in a movie right. or here's a song I couldn't escape. But, you know, not that's a, not that that's a bad thing. Just, you know, they're going a little bit more for, and I mean, it's based on pro wrestling. Right. Subtlety is not really something you go for. In and the ca- I'm, having not seen it, I'm assuming it's the same characters that were on the actual show or no? Uh, more like legally distinct from, but resembling, shall gotcha. we say. Okay. But like, gotcha. okay, I, I think you would enjoy this just because like, for example, the two primary actresses, one of them is Liberty Bell, who's basically, you know, USA, female Hulk yeah. Hogan, but Southern, et cetera. Actually, I guess Hulk Hogan's Southern, technically. He's born in Tampa. Yeah. But, 
and her main opponent, Zoya the Destroyer, a Russian. Who I'm assuming is, yeah, <laughs> Nikolai Volkov. So, yeah, uh, I I give this show my highest regards. You, you especially need to check it out. Mm-hmm. Others that have popped into my head that kind of follow this route, I would say the movie Bumblebee, to a large degree. That's the Transformers. Oh, I've right, lost track right, right. of which number. But it's the... It's the one that came out like last year. Anthology, where it's not in the storyline. Yeah. We've pulled it out and made a separate movie kind of thing. But it was, frankly, I've only seen the first Transformers movie and it. Yeah. And from what I've been told, all the ones in between were more of the same. I did not much care for the first Transformers movie. I liked Bumblebee quite a lot. and okay. you I, can, I've heard others say that. You yeah. can tell that Bumblebee was made by someone who was probably in the age range where he grew up playing with toys, watching the cartoon, and who mm-hmm. actually... It's weird for me to even say this when I say these words, who actually got Transformers, because <laughs> what really is it that's difficult right. about, well, it's a bunch of robots from space that turn into vehicles and stuff. Like right. you, you don't really need to overcomplicate that, but... Or screw it up, but yeah, Michael Bay has. So there we are. But this is the only movie that's like, okay, this is awesome. And they actually get it. And, you know, there's a lot of kind of what we're talking about, just like the overall nostalgia sure. feel. Just I think that's why I like the first Transformers movie, just because I was like, oh, yeah, Transformers, that was fun. I remember having Optimus Prime as a kid, and mm-hmm. basically you could commit assault with the weight of that toy. Uh, and that's why they don't have steel toys anymore. But, uh, I saw. I was like, oh yeah, great! You know, Optimus Prime, awesome. Megan well, Fox. Who among us have a, hasn't sure. lost an eye to Voltron? Oh, anyway, sorry. Right. Um, After that, it was. I didn't really have much of an interest in seeing the. Ne- but I, I have heard that Bumblebee is actually pretty good. Yeah, and basically, if you're into Stranger Things, yeah, I would recommend checking out Bumblebee. It's yeah, you know, it's a 90 minute commitment. Yeah, um, you know what you get into. There are a couple, one other Netflix show, and it, I near as I can tell, is based in present day, 13 Reasons Why. Seems to go out of its way, like, from the soundtrack to kind of go with a lot of, like, 80s stuff. Like, I, it also made use of Atmosphere by Joy Division. What is it set in? I believe it's set in present day. Okay. But it's hard to explain. Uh, it, it sort of has almost kind of a weirdly mid-90s feel to it, and it uses a lot of, like, 80s music and this, that, and the other. And I will not recommend the show because, personally, I think the show sucks. But <laughs> they tried. Yeah. But I, I think part of the reason maybe, I don't know, maybe it's the dissonance between, like, you seem to be going for this feel, but this is a show that's happening in what is effectively present day. So, and I mean, when I say that, and... I actually liked the movie Drive, so don't take this as an insult. But you know how Drive doesn't really have exactly a set time period, but it sure feels like an 80s movie? Kind of sort of like that. Gotcha. But uh, Drive was Ryan Gosling. Gosling. Yeah, okay. He basically had a blank stare and said nothing for 90% of the movie and and drove. That's what I heard. A friend of mine loved it, loved every minute of it, bought the jacket, you know, and then – Another friend was like, I, it's the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I think there's ba- – yeah, it, it's a little bit David Lynchian, and yeah. I think there's basically two – like two – you either – you love Drive or you didn't love Drive, yeah. and I don't <laughs> think there's no much gray in between. Area there. Yeah. 
and I guess I'm the one person who does have sort of the gray opinion on it, but it's just in people that I've talked to, most of them are like, oh my God, I love that movie. The movie's great, blah, 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 and can't stop talking about it, or just like, I hated that movie. That was a waste. I'll never get however many hours it lasted back. It's like those people that don't like No Country for Old Men, and you're like, well, how? How is it possible? Well, I didn't like that the main guy died. Because he didn't. Huh? Yeah. The, the main guy is Tommy Lee Jones. It's not Josh Brolin. Go back and watch it now, now that you know that. And they come back and they're like, oh. Got it. It's kind of funny. You say the main guy died and you started with Tommy Lee Jones. And I'm over here sitting uh, thinking, you know, like, huh. From my perspective, the main guy was Javier Bardem. <laughs> well, okay. you know, the the no country for the I mean, man, that by itself was, is right. the. Oh, yeah. sure, sure, sure. But I, I had so many people telling me that. Well, Josh Brolin's the man. I just didn't like it. And then they kind of. I get, it was also the way that he died because it was kind of like, oh, he's dead. You know, they didn't. There wasn't some grand shootout. There was a shootout, but you didn't see how he died. You just that Tommy Lee Jones rides up and, and he's dead. So sudden, kind of yeah, kind of like the departed with DiCaprio sure. in some sort of way. And it's because, although he was actually main character, but right. yes. But Tommy Lee Jones, he's the old man. He's the No Country for Old Men. Yes. So uh, with that said uh are there any shows on the horizon that you're looking forward to coming up here and uh, you kind of american horror story obviously it's an anthology but you know yeah that season sure you know but i mean just any like just new shows new shows well uh one just started this weekend uh so we're one episode in but the righteous gemstones on hbo do you know anything about that nope all right Enlighten so me John Goodman is Joel Osteen. Oh, that Osteen. one. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I've seen a couple of trailers for it. Imagine that Joel Osteen it. is an older gentleman and has a couple of sons and daughters that are sort of carrying on the, you know, it's one of, it's the mega church. It's the, uh, the PTL stuff from the eighties, you know, with, with Jim and Tammy Faye, but not quite, you know, the Jimmy Swagger, that kind of thing. But with, um, the guy from uh, oh, what's the show on Comedy Central? <sighs> Workaholics. Uh, is that it? If you, yeah, I, yeah. I think I know who you're talking about. But one I can't, of those guys who me. is also on Modern Family, and it's also uh, on Kenny the tip, Powers. It's on the tip of my yeah. tongue, but yeah, sorry. Kenny Powers is the other kid. Uh, it's it's got act actors and actresses Which, from other HBO shows. You know, actually, uh, yeah. Well, I was gonna say you just name dropped. Uh, a HBO character right there yeah. from Eastbound and Down, but yeah, <laughs> HBO does that too. But they always use kind of the people in all their shows that have been on other HBO shows. But uh, yeah, it's like if you do good on HBO, you'll get pretty steady work from yeah. most of it. But yeah, and um, uh, the first episode, pretty solid. Somebody's trying to blackmail the 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 family, the, you know, kind of deal, and they got to figure out who and why. And uh, he brought back his. Uh, he's not. I don't think he's one of the main people, but he's a recurring character. The guy that was with him. Uh, Walton Goggins, who was with him in Vice Principals, uh, playing uh, against. Mm -hmm. I always, I always want to call him Kenny Powers. It's funny you mention that. Danny McBride's his name. For some reason, that's the dude that I used to mistake David Harbor for. Like I don't know why, okay. but I got that guy <laughs> and David Harbor confused <laughs> somewhere along the lines. Right. Kind of a little bit of the Bill Pullman, Bill Paxton. Sure. I don't know. Yeah. Even though that should never happen. I know people do that, but it should never happen. Yeah. Paxton. Yeah. I get that from a name perspective, not from mm -hmm. a look at these dudes. Were you kidding me? But yeah. Right. Anyway. That is the show that I was most looking forward to as far as, you know, not a new season of something. Mm. Uh, 
the schedule unfortunately prevents me from diving into a whole bunch of different shows. But um, so a lot of the times I'm after the fact uh, on, on things. But uh, for some, you know, there's always that one HBO comedy that we do seem to stick pretty good with as far as catching the episodes when they actually air for the first time. Um, I would say that one is the one for me. I don't know. Uh, you know, there is one just kind of whizzed by, but I can't think of the name of it now. But um, that that Righteous Gemstones is the main one, I would say. Okay. Uh, off the top of my head, and I seem to be, at least amongst my friends group, a little bit alone in this. I'm looking forward to The Watchmen. Another okay. HBO show. All right. And it's mainly because I just kind of want to see what in the world they're going to try to do with this. Because, yeah. you know, we have the movie, uh, for better or for worse. Some people love it. Some people don't. There's stuff I like. There's stuff I don't like. Nature of the Beast. Also set in the 80s, right? Yes. Now yeah. you mention it. Uh, now, having said that, I have absolutely no idea the time period that this adaptation will be set in. Because the adaptation seems... True. To suggest that maybe it's something of a sequel, but I don't know that for sure. I, you know, you have very vague trailers, sort of suggesting that a couple of players are on the board that are older than they were in the comic, and that a couple of players aren't on the board who perhaps died in the comic. Yeah, I won't say much for other people, but you get the point. Definitely a lot. The, the trailer a lot more uh, understated and toned down from the yeah theatrical version. Yeah, where effectively Zack Snyder seemingly just told his crew here you guys go ahead and film these 20 pages I'll be napping in my trailer and that's that's what we're doing today bye another one that's jumping out at me is The Witcher um with uh Henry, Henry Cavill. Cavill or Cavill or yeah. Cavill hey, I, however you say it Superman yeah well sorta <laughs> not Christopher <laughs> Reeve or as or, sure. yeah, as I call him but yeah um I I'm trying to think of a way to put this Cautiously optimistic might be the term. Um, the Witcher, based on a book series, which was then turned into a video game series. And if you're listening to this and you've heard of The Witcher, there's probably a 99% chance that you heard about it because of the video games and not mm -hmm. because of the books. Like, the books only got printed in English because of the video games. Sure. And it would appear that they're kind of steering against the video game, which I find a little questionable because it's like, okay, what is the thing that most people know this from? But at the same time, yeah, there's there's book series to be. More source material yeah. maybe with the book, yeah. So, and having said that, I haven't read all the source material, so, you know, I don't know exactly what we're going to get. Hopefully it's good, but yeah. I would say at least with the Watchmen and with that, I, I'm, certainly, I'm certainly in for at least, you know, a okay. couple episodes, see what we got here. Right. Uh, oof, just, you know what? With uh, we we mentioned Disney Plus earlier that the Mandalorian oh yeah that's that's going to be huge yeah I'm, I'm very excited about that same here that's John Favreau is is the brains behind it mm -hmm. uh, it's and the Mandalorian know. played by um, his name is escaping me now Arg it's not there is a, a, one of the bounty hunters they've said is definitely going to make an appearance or be in it. One of the uh, was Dengar, Bosk, or one of the, the ones that you've heard of. Boba Fett apparently, at least they're saying, is not involved. Right. Uh, because he's not really a Mandalorian. He just wears the armor or whatever. Nerd deep dive there. Um, also, if I'm not mistaken, doesn't the show take place after his unfortunate... He's not dead. Um, okay, sure. 
That's my theory anyway. Okay, so he's not dead, but Hopper is. Uh-huh. I feel like this is going to be an ongoing argument over several episodes. Oh, anyway. Hopper's not dead. I just kind of hope that they do end the story right there. Okay, cool. Uh, the guy who's Boba play- Fett's uh, overrated. There, I said it. Okay, just lost us all the viewers. We don't have. We that. don't have enough time to go into that nonsense. Uh, uh, Pedro Pascal, yeah, who famously played Oberon Martell, the Red Viper, on Game of Thrones, mm. which my co-host here refuses to watch. It's not that I refuse. I just know I'm not going to. Everybody send him angry mail. It, it's not a refusal thing. I just know I'm not going to see it. Yeah, but still. Anyway. Um, Gina Carano, by the way, is in this. So is Nick Nolte. So is Carl Weathers. That's right there. Nice. They've, they've, they've got me. They've got you. Uh, that's well done on their part. Well, I mean, they had me with just Here's a show called The Mandalorian, yeah. but then it's like Pedro Pascal. Okay, I'm especially in. Right, and it's a it's a Star Wars show, the a television, and not an animated series, a live action Star Wars TV show with a hundred twenty million dollar budget. Right, um, I, it's going to be fantastic. which seems to be following sort of the kind of the man with no name, Mad Max. Format, yeah, if right, you will. and and the we wandering do, gunslinger kind of thing. We do get the. Um, we're not going to get the the entire thing connected from the end of, Re- of Return of the Jedi to Force Awakens, but it is going to be a few years after the fall of the Empire, before the emergence of the First Order. So I'm assuming we will get some 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 loose ends tied up along the way. Yeah, I suspect we will as well. Um, which actually, there's also, and I haven't followed up on this there was mm-hmm. rumor of another disney plus star wars series coming that being one starring you and mcgregor the obi-wan kenobi series they keep talking about which there is there is confirmed the uh yeah. diego luna's character from rogue one is going to have a series as well mm-hmm. but uh yeah and that flared up again last weekend uh the obi-wan stuff I hope it's true. I mean, obviously, there's nothing on the docket right now, but yeah, yeah. you know. Why I, wouldn't they do? Uh, I would why have, wouldn't he do it? It's, yeah, it's a cash machine. I mean, he basically said he wanted to. Yeah, They're like he has absolutely no problem playing Obi Wan. That's again, a character so, yeah. that people, I think, want to. That's another bridging the gap mm-hmm. era. You know, there all right, when he goes to Tatooine and Luke is there and he's looking over. Or, you know, he's 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 keeping an eye on him. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the story. You know, it's there's a a book that attempted to kind of bridge the gap. Um, it's basically a Western. Yeah. If you treat it like that, which I think they are going to kind of treat the Mandalorian like that a little bit too, but I think it's a home run. I don't know why they wouldn't do it. I don't either. And also if you've seen solo, you know, you have the reemergence of Darth Maul. Now, unfortunately I do believe they covered their fateful final battle in, uh, rebels, rebels. perhaps. Yes, I believe so. Which I remember kind of on the one hand being like, Oh, cool. And on the other hand, Damn it, this means we never get to see this in live action. But there's still things you can do. I do want to go back. That is one thing, one show that I do want to go back and watch is Rebels because of just certain characters that weren't in the other, that were like in the books and things that weren't ever on screen that are in Rebels. But uh, I am very much looking forward to The Mandalorian uh, and even I'm sure that Diego Luna uh, series yeah. that's going to be on there would be good, too. Pretty much anything with Star Wars. And, uh, I mean, as far as I, there's a few Marvel shows coming, too. Yeah. I know there's Hawkeye, specifically. Mm-hmm. There's probably more that I'm not thinking about. There's a Winter Soldier and Falcon one. There's a, uh, there, there's there's three or four of them, actually, I think. Like I said, and I'm not as big of a Marvel fanboy as seemingly the rest of the universe is, but... Yes, all of this will get a look. Oh, you know, like, yeah. So yeah. it's definitely 
something I'm looking forward to, even if I'm not just like champing a bit about it. Sure. But yeah. Uh, I think that kind of covers it. Yeah, I believe so. Well done. All right. And that was our first episode, people. Sponsors, uh, we're here. Yeah. Come get us. We, we'd like money. We're, we're huge fans of New Coke. Oh, fantastic. I drink it all the time. Yeah. I mean, you know, spent five minutes in this episode just, <laughs> you know, just, just talking it up. About what a wondrous, uh, wondrous product it was. <laughs> anyway, yeah. But I think that brings it to a close. Uh, I think we're off to a good start. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Can't wait for episode two. Yeah. Same here. And good night. <laughs>